What is up, my friends? It's Ben, and I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a great day. This is going to be a solo dolo podcast. So uh, me and Marcus actually recorded a podcast yesterday. We tried to get to as many questions as we, as we did. Um, we had some time constraints, and I had a lot of great questions that came in on IG stories. So thank you guys for uh, responding to that. I wanted to just take a minute to try to answer those for you real quick. Um, I haven't even looked at all these yet. I just know I have a lot that I didn't get to. Um, so I'm just going to try to give you my, my quick thoughts and reflections. I'll try to direct you to any resources we have on the website. And, um, you know, me and Marcus don't say this enough. Thank you guys so much for listening, for watching, liking our content. When you buy resources, any way that you've supported us, uh, I just want to let you know that we really appreciate you guys. We thank you. Um, we love being a part of the PE community. Uh, we really hope the things that we create are helpful for you guys. And thank you for any good feedback you provide for us. Um, and man, we're just, I, the, the fact that we get to go around and present ideas to PE teachers is such a privilege. So thank you guys. Hey, what's up guys? This is Ben Landers. I'm the founder of the PEspecialist.com. And I just want to say thanks for being here. You're listening to the Fizz Ed Q&A show. I hope this is an awesome, valuable conversation that will help give you some ideas and answer some common questions around the field of physical education. If you want any links for things that we talk about or summaries, make sure to check out the show notes at the PEspecialist.com slash podcast. And without further ado, let's get into the show. And hopefully these answers are helpful. So here we go. I'm going to read them off for you. All right. Coming from Chris, uh, this is how do you cope with stress after a hard lesson or day? So uh, for this one, you know, it's definitely an individual answer. But for me, what I do is I know that I have to exercise. I got to move my body. Um, I, I try to get a good long run in a few times a week because for me, that's like, my time where I get to go run through the woods. I just like doing trail runs because I like being out in nature. Um, and I have some woods close to my house that are, have a lot of good trails in them. And that's what I like to do. Um, so I go for a run, I put a podcast on, it's a great time for me to get some exercise, get my cardio going and just be out in nature, challenge myself, push myself. And I always know that I feel better after that. And if I, if I have like a busy week, where I have some random commitments where I'm not able to get that workout in, it really impacts my mental ability to like handle the daily stress of my job and my responsibilities. And so I really try to get that in. If I can't get it in during the week, I try to do it on the weekends. Um, even like two nights ago, I was working late and it was like 11, 15. I was trying to get some work done and I hadn't uh, been able to move my body that day. So even that late, I knew even though I was tired, I needed to go to my garage swing some kettlebells. I got like a, uh, a, a weighted mace in there that I like to swing around. So I just did some push ups and pull ups, swinging some heavy weights around and it made me feel better. Um, and so I, I try to make sure I do that because that's really what helps me, um, to, you know, put my body under that stress. It helps me to handle the rest of my stress in my daily life. So for me, that's what works well. Also, just taking a little tiny bit of time, the moments that you can throughout the day to get some inner uh, zen, take some time to reflect, take a few deep breaths, get some perspective. Um, and then also throughout the day at school, I can tell like when, I, for example, the week before my grades are due is like a stressful week because instead of getting the normal things done that I need to do, prepping my lessons, getting my equipment prepped and things like that, I'm inputting grades. And 
you know, in the, in that week <laughs> that grades are due, I find myself enjoying my job less. I'm playing less with my kids. I'm getting in those little bits of exercise with my kids during the lesson, less and less, um, because I'm focused on that. So the more you can like squeeze in exercise, squeeze in playing with your students and, and getting involved in the class, uh, the more fun your job is going to be. And the more, uh, uh, the more it will alleviate that stress, I think. So there's a few tips on that. Obviously that's a kind of individual answer, but that's what works for me. I had a few questions about large class activities. Uh, this one says, what are some large class activities, um, in classroom management techniques? So for, for large class activities, uh, first disclaimer, you know, my uh, teaching experience, the largest classes we have would be double classes. And I don't even have those this year because our enrollment has dropped enough for us to have single classes, but we used to have like 50 kids in the gym. Um, and I have some tips on that at the peacespecialist.com slash large class hacks, and also have some people linked up that can give you some better advice. Like if you're in a situation, I had another question in here that is, uh, let's see, what did it say? It says, I have a group of 70 students. How would you suggest splitting them up? This is elementary. If I had to be by myself with 70 kids, like, I don't think I would still be teaching. I just, it's, I don't see that as being a quality situation to even be able to teach quality phys ed. Um, and I know there's a lot of people in that situation and I, um, I, it's hard for me to give advice on that because if I was in that personal situation, I think I would be trying to find a better situation somewhere else, um, where I could actually teach my students. So, um, I, I have some tips at pspecialist.com slash large class hacks, but just go into that knowing that I've never taught 70 kids by myself in a PE setting. I've, I've had some kids like, in a before school program and things like that, like for 30 minutes where it wasn't PE and we were just walking around or moving around, but it wasn't like we were doing assessments and trying to complete objectives and things like that. Do I go outside for PE? Very rarely I go outside for PE. Um, main reason for that is uh, we don't have any good outside space at my school. Um, the bus loop is an okay space, but it's not great because there's like gutters and anytime we have a ball the ball is always rolling down into the gutters um, i go out there to run the mile run with my fifth grade students but for the rest of the year usually i just stay in the gym um, because it's just a lot more easy to control there's less distractions and don't have to worry about weather sometimes if the weather's really nice i might go outside with some of my um, younger kiddos and just do like a quick game of noodle tag or something just to get some fresh air but normally we stay inside the gym vicky says what do you do with students who do not like any type of physical activity um, you know, I just do my best. You, you can't, like I tell my kids, I, you can't control what other people do. You can just try to inspire them. So I do my best. I try to, I try to find out what kind of things they're into, try to relate the things we're doing in class, possibly back to, uh, whatever things they're into to show them that the things we're learning are going to help them be more successful at life. Um, but you know, there's some kids that are going to thrive in PE class naturally. And there's some kids that, no matter what you do, it's not going to be their favorite subject. Um, and you can do everything you can. And some kids you're, you're able to grab them and then like inspire them. And then by the time they're in fifth grade, they love it and you've changed their life. But unfortunately that's not the case for all students. So you just do the best you can. And like I tell my kids, you do your best and forget the rest. How do I handle repeat offenders? So, uh, usually what I try to do with repeat offenders is give them a blank slate. So even if I've got a kid, 
that is a repeat offender, when they come into the gym, it's a new day. It's a new chance. And sometimes I'll even pull them aside before class starts and be like, Hey, just want to let you know, you know, these are the behaviors we've been dealing with, but every day you come in here, it's a new chance for you to have an awesome day. And, um, at the same time I do take the information that I know about that student because like, for example, I had a situation this week where I had two students come up. One student said they cheated at the game. I didn't see anything to happen. And then the other student said they didn't do it. And so I said, what do you think out of the amount of trust that I have for this student and this student talking to the student that supposedly cheated? I said, what do you think? Who do you think I'm going to believe out of the trust that she's built with me over the last four years and the trust that you built with me over the last four years? And he was like, I don't know. And I said, I'm going to believe her because she's never lied to me. And you've lied to me frequently. So my, you haven't built as much trust with me as her. So if you continue to lie, the amount of trust that you have with me is going to be very low. So if you want to build up trust with me, you have to continue to do the right thing. And then slowly my trust with you will begin to rise. Does that make sense? He was like, yes, sir. So the amount of trust that students build with me does relate to whether I'm going to believe them in a situation, if they're just, if it's one student's word against another word, but I actually talked to my kids about that and hopefully help them understand the um, results that their actions have on relationships. What are the pros and cons of being a PE teacher? Um, so pros and cons of being a PE teacher pros, uh, you get to wear really comfortable clothes every day to work. You get to play games with kids. Usually it's the best part of the kids week. So if you're doing it right, hopefully your kids are pumped and excited to be there for you. Um, for me, it's a pro that I get to move around all day and I get to exercise and like that's built into my work, my job. Uh, for some people that might be a con, like if it, there's some people that literally wouldn't be able to do my job very well because they're not healthy and active enough. And you know, that would be like their worst nightmare would be being a PE teacher. So it kind of depends on who you are and what you're into. Like if you don't like being active, if you don't like sports, obviously being a PE teacher, probably not going to be a very good fit for you. Um, but for me, it's a great fit. Uh, you know, being a teacher is also nice because you get your uh, holiday break. So especially if you have kids that ends up being a really great job. And that's one of the main things I was thinking about, um, when I was trying to make a decision where I was, whether I was going to go into administration or not, is I would have to give up a lot of my break, a lot of my summer break to be with my family, to be with my kids, which is one of the main perks for me of being a teacher. So that was another thing that went into my decision to, to stay in the gym other than just, I'm super passionate about PE and it's the best fit for me. Um, but if you have kids teaching is a pretty great gig because you get the same holidays as them. You're not always having to take off work and take holidays and things like that when your kids are, um, having holidays at school, uh, cons of being a PE teacher. Like I said, you know, if you're not into, like moving your body. If you're not healthy enough to keep moving, I mean, it's a hard job. You're moving all day. Like by the end of the day, you got a lot of steps in and you did a lot of work if you're actually doing your job right. So that's hard, you know, and if you aren't, if that's not a positive thing for you, then that might be a con for me. I love that. And I like that part of my job. So it's a pro for me. Um, some other cons might be just the stereotypes that you're going to have to deal with being a PE teacher. People think you play dodgeball every day, even though I haven't played dodgeball in 17 years of being a teacher in my PE classes. Um, so you're fighting that stereotype. Uh, what are some other cons? You know, as far as a teaching job goes, I would not want to do any other teaching job besides phys ed. Um, you know, and part of that is because I'm 
it's the way that I'm built and I'm passionate about sports and movement and activity. And I would hate to be stuck in a classroom all day. I mean, the gym is your classroom. That's pretty amazing. Pretty awesome. Uh, you got to take <laughs> one con I just thought of, you got to take everything out of your gym, your classroom every day and reset it every day because usually you have an after school program that comes in. Um, I'm sure there's some other cons, but I, honestly, I don't focus on the cons of my job too much. So those are some of the pros and cons of being a PE teacher. What grades do I teach? Uh, I teach 4k. So four-year-old kindergarten pre-k, uh, up to fifth grade. And I have, uh, been teaching those age levels for the same at the same school for 17 years. What is the worst behavioral class that you've had and how did you deal with it? Um, I, we, me and Mark's actually answered this on the podcast, but like a real quick shortened answer is, uh, usually my, I, I just try to be upfront with them and sit them down and be like, Hey guys, like I want to do fun things with y'all, but it's impossible because I can't trust y'all and y'all are not following the expectations. So we're not able to do fun things. So like if I have a fifth grade class that's doing that, I'll say, Hey, we, you know, the rest of the school is doing a basketball tournament third through fifth, but you guys are acting like second graders. So we're going to have to do our second grade basketball lesson today. And y'all don't get to do the tournament. It makes me kind of sad, but you know, you're responsible for your actions. And if you want to start doing fifth grade stuff, you got to start acting like fifth graders. Usually after I do that a few times, the kids in the class will start to positively pressure the students who are being, uh, you know, disruptors in the class to do the right thing because they want to actually get to play fun games and things like that. So that's one of the strategies I use that's worked pretty well. Good games for kindergarten, two classes at once, 50 kids at a time. Wow. It's a lot of kids, a lot of kindergarten kids. Um, so when we had double kindergarten classes, uh, the main thing I would try to do is just very simple games. Like a, a simple idea might be if you go to my YouTube channel and check out the, uh, activity called IC, it's like a no equipment, open space, movement game, locomotor type games, or just doing station activities just because it's such, it works really well for that age group. And then with those large numbers, you can very easily, uh, split them up into like four or five stations and rotate around. And then the next week you might add two or three different stations. Um, so that's worked well for us. All right. Next question. Um, do you have any volley lessons or games? I teach solo. It's hard to come up with ideas. Um, so usually I'll do like a balloon volleying type lesson. And, uh, we do that with balloons for my K two kids where we'll just practice volleying the ball with our hand, with our finger, with our elbows, knees, and different body parts and things like that. Um, and, uh, I'll pair that usually with like a four square lesson with my third through fifth kids. Um, usually I don't do a lot of volleying stuff other than just like volleying a beach ball as a station activity with my younger students, with my older kids. Sometimes I'll do a volleyball game at the end of the year. It's just like a one-off lesson. Uh, one really fun one is uh four square volleyball. So you'll have like four quadrants and the rules of the game are pretty similar to normal volleyball. It's like, I give them like three hits to get it over. You can't hit it two times in a row. And if it hits in your square, then that's a point for your team. And then once your team gets to whatever you want to do, like five or eight or 10 points, then your team has been eliminated. So since there's four teams, one team will be down. And then that square of the four square court will be out. So if you imagine like two nets set up to make a square, like a four square court for volleyball. Um, so when the kids get out on their team, I just have them go get a volleyball and just practice volleying to the wall or bumping to each other until there's a winner of the game. And then we restart. We usually have enough time to play like four or five games within a class period. So that's a pretty fun one that I like to do. All right. Next up is, uh, how do you adapt PE for students with autism? Um, so autism is just such a like broad term that you know, if you've met one autistic kid, then that means 
you've met one autistic kid. Like they're all so different. It really just depends on their specific needs. Uh, so anytime I have a special needs student, my goal is to try to modify things to help them be successful. So do they need to wear like, you know, earplugs in class because it's too loud and the sensory overload? Do they need to get, uh, you know, like frequent breaks to take themselves out of the activity? Um, do they, do I need to give them a heads up of what we're doing that day? So they're not like nervous and freaking out. It kind of just depends on that kid. Usually I get that information from the special ed teacher, from the classroom teacher. And then since I get to see kids for six years, by the time they get to like first or second grade, I usually have a pretty good idea of what they need and, and how to help them be successful in PE. So it just depends on the student. I try to get to know the kids and build that relationship as much as I can. Next up, how would you handle limited equipment in a small budget? Um, I have a video on this on my YouTube channel. It's actually on our FAQ page. So the pspecialist.com slash FAQ. Um, but you know, you do the best you can with what you have. There's real and there's ideal. So, you know, ideal is every kid has basketball real is you might only have five basketballs and you might have to do basketball as a station activity for until you can get enough equipment. Personally, I would probably write grants through uh, donorschoose.org or trying to source like local businesses or my school's PTO, or maybe there's a parent in the school that has a business that would want to sponsor the PE program. I've heard of people doing uh, bring, bring your own equipment in. So like people will just donate like their old basketballs and stuff to the PE program. Uh, we've gone in our district to like the local golf clubs or the local tennis clubs to ask them if they would donate equipment. And they usually have been up for that. Um, so those are a few ideas. You could also like connect with the other elementary schools in your district and possibly do like a traveling, um, bin of equipment where it's like one school gets it for three weeks. Another school gets it for three weeks. That's a little bit more complicated and kind of a pain. And then like the equipment might get destroyed a lot more quickly because so many people are using it, but that might work as well. Um, so those are a few ideas for you. Next up is how do you involve the community in PE besides field day? Do you have bring your parent to PE night? Um, no, personally, I don't. Uh, we, I try to share out as much as I can on social media with parents about what we're doing. And I give kids homework like, hey, go tell your parents about what we did in PE. Um, and then obviously I'm, I'm connecting with parents at any kind of school event, even if it's not a PE event. Like we have a chorus musical coming up that I'm going to be running sound for. So I'm going to be connecting with as many parents as I can there being like, Hey, you know, your kid's doing great in PE. They have an awesome overhand throw, or they're really showing good sportsmanship or they're always setting a good example. So I'm always trying to give out those kind of affirmations. Anytime we're at a school event with parents. Uh, next question, how do you handle your lesson closures and how do you check for student understanding? So, uh, lesson closure is, um, try to do three things. I do a review, a preview, and a thank you. And for that, I just review whatever we're working on that day. Um, the basic objectives of the lesson, the cues for the skills we were working on, the main points I was trying to get across to kids. I preview the next week. So what we're doing next week, what to look out for, what to practice if you have time at home. And then I thank you to the kids. So I just say, Hey, thank you for your hard work. I know PE is tough. Sometimes if you're trying something and failing over and over again, I really appreciate you guys putting in that effort and not giving up. Cause I want the last thing my kids to hear before they leave. 
to be me saying thank you for the work they put in to know that I care about it and I see them. Um, and then we do our daily self-assessment, which is a way for the kids to reflect every day on how they did. And if you're not familiar with that, you can check it out. Just Google daily self-assessment and PE or check out our resources page. There's a link on the resources page. How do I check for understanding? I check for understanding usually just by student observation or teacher observation. So like if I give instructions to a game and only two or three kids don't know what to do, that tells me I probably gave pretty decent instructions because the whole class is doing the right thing, except for a few kids. Those kids probably didn't pay attention. They didn't listen to the instructions or maybe they didn't comprehend what I was saying. I can follow up with those few kids and give them some redirections and check with them. Uh, but if I give instructions and a whole class is doing the wrong thing and the whole class doesn't know what to do, that tells me that I probably did a poor job giving those instructions as a teacher. And I usually just stop the class, bring everybody back in and I just say, hey, sorry guys. Obviously, I didn't do a very good job explaining those instructions because nobody is doing the right thing. Let me try again. I'll try to slow it down. I'll do some more demonstrations. I'll make sure everybody knows what to do. Um, obviously, you can do the like raise your hand if you know what to do and see how many kids raise their hand. If the whole class is raising their hand, that's a good sign. If nobody raises their hand, that's a good indicator that maybe you need to re-explain the directions and restate what they're doing so or give some more demonstrations so that's kind of what i do with checking for understanding do you ever link what you're doing in pe to any of the homeroom units why or why not um i think it's awesome to be able to do that and if i'm aware of what the homerooms are doing i might like randomly connect a lesson but i don't plan my curriculum around the homerooms curriculum just because i just don't find it feasible to try to plan my curriculum around everybody else in the school. Um, so if it just happens, you know, organically, which happens maybe a few times, I'll, I'll try to pull in things that they're doing. Um, but I'm not planning my lessons around what the homerooms are, are learning. Although if you're able to do that, I think that's awesome. And I'm sure the homeroom teachers really appreciate it. If you're reinforcing the things they're learning in the homeroom with your PE lessons. So if you can do it, that's great. What data analysis do you do in PE class? I don't do a lot of data analysis. I'm not sure exactly what you're like asking with this question other than just what my assessments are for like our standards based report cards and my, you know, observing kill kids skill levels where they're at and trying to help them get better. So like basic little notes on my clipboard about where each kid's at, where their skill levels are at common mistakes they're making and how I can help them, um, which I have that pretty detailed in a blog post uh, about my grades and how I do my grades on the pspecialist.com slash grades if you want to check that out. How often do you cycle through games each year after year or do you switch it up? Um, I cycle through games. Uh, some games I do every year, but then a lot of games I'll switch them up just because I don't have time since I see my kids once a week to fit everything in that I want to. Um, I will do like a unit every other year. If I'm doing like a striking with implements unit, I might do tennis one year and then do a different striking with implements the next year, like baseball, softball, so batting and fielding. Um, or I might do like a volleying game with my kids one year and then the next year do some spike ball with them. Um, so I try to fit in as much as I can, but a lot of times I have to mix it up. I'll keep a note of what I do each year. And if I don't hit something like last year, I didn't get to chance to do gymnastics because I just couldn't fit it in the schedule this year. I am doing gymnastics. Um, and so if there's any units that I didn't get a chance to do this year, I will definitely do them next year if I can. So that's kind of my goal. That's kind of how I run it. What is your best rainy day classroom game? Uh, my best rainy day classroom game. I don't really 
<laughs> go to a classroom very often uh, because we have a gym and we, we're not going to get kicked out of our gym except for like very special circumstances um, would be probably doing like a cup stacking lesson. Since you're in the classroom, you got the table set up. That's like a perfect thing to do in a classroom if you got cup stacks. Um, or you could do a line dance if you have room to like move the desk or just have the kids dance behind their desk. You do some different line dances. Um, and you could also do like scarf juggling or even a team building activity like the crazy cards challenge. You might just want to go through the card deck and, um, you know, take out any that you think might not be safe for a classroom. You could do something also like pass the frog, just an easy like team building challenge like that. So those are a few ideas for you. There's another, um, video on my YouTube channel. It's a follow along video with tissue. Uh, tissues, tossing and catching with tissues. I made it during our virtual learning time. Um, and that's a great one to do with scarves as well, but you could also do it with tissues if you want to for some ideas there. All right, guys, that's most of the questions. Thank you guys so much for your input and um, for engaging with our posts and for listening or watching the uh, video or the podcast. Um, if you're watching the video, I'm sorry about the constant light changes. I've been trying to like open and close my blinds and monitor based on the window in my office, but it's like the sun is going behind the cloud. So if you're on YouTube, sorry about that. Um, if you're listening, you're like, what are you talking about? Um, but I really appreciate you guys. Uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast and hope it was helpful. We'll do it again soon. We're going to try to get a little bit more regular. Um, I am so grateful to have you guys, uh, as a part of our PE community and, um, hope you have an awesome day as always have fun and teach on, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Fizz Ed Q&A Show podcast. I hope it was so helpful and you got some serious value bombs out of it. Just wanted to let you know that this episode is sponsored by the PE Specialist Membership Community. It's an awesome crew of passionate PE teachers where we get together, brainstorm ideas, come to with common problems and provide feedback to each other. And we've got a ton of awesome resources like e-courses, online trainings, tutorials, a ton of unit and lesson plan samples, printable station signs, and cues posters, and I could keep on going, but I know you've got things to do. So I just wanted to let you know, if you want to check out the details and see if it might be a good fit for you, you can head on over to thepspecialist.com slash info for some more information. As always, have fun and teach on. Have a great day, guys.